It is the middle ground between light and shadow, between science and superstition, and it lies between the pit of man's fears and the summit of his knowledge. This is Time Enough Podcast. This is Time Enough Podcast, where we talk about the Twilight Zone anthology shows things like that but we are we are right smack in the middle of well not really smack in the middle of the first season of the original show but we are uh, a few down the road here uh this is matt the other guy today is mark malik hello hi here i am are you ready to get judged ah! for your judgment night no dennis leary don't cut me i'm a <laughs> suburban white man i didn't do anything wrong See, all I remember is the uh, soundtrack. I don't. I just remember Dennis Leary just being th- vaguely threatening for I no did, reason. I guess I they, think, s- they saw something. I think I saw it opening night. Who knows? I might have been with you to see that on opening night. But uh, I'm sure I saw theater? that opening night. I remember yeah. it being pretty uh, underwhelming with a great soundtrack. The soundtrack right. is still great. Yeah, yeah. There's some good stuff on there. But um, yeah, I haven't seen it since. What I have seen, of course, is this episode of the twilight zone entitled judgment night which is better than the movie judgment night judgment night yeah yes it is um there's a relatively large ensemble cast for this so i i kept it a little bit um slim i guess for the trivia as not not to bore people too much but uh yeah there there are the point is there are definitely some good actors in here i'm just like not really getting into at the moment so (laughs) For the ones I am getting into, uh, oh, how, how do we say the name? Nehemiah? I think Nehemiah Persoff plays Carl Lancer. Yes, an immigrant from Jerusalem is playing the German commander. Um, he appeared in major films like Some Like It Hot and The Greatest Story Ever Told. He had a slew of other TV roles on shows such as The Untouchable, Hawaii 5.0, and some sci-fi with Battlestar Galactica and Star Trek The Next Generation. He was the, uh, co- I think he was the collector trying to collect data and the most toys. Nice. He retired to paint in 1999, and the dude is still alive as of this recording at age 102. He has not been, still has not been judged yet. He has not been judged yet, so um, I, I was quite because he doesn't look that young in this episode, you know? So <laughs> yeah, people wild. looked older back then. Um, even if James, were... James Franciscus is in this, just saying. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I, I'm pretty sure he was, the, he was uh, as I told you, he was Charlton Hesman's sort of replacement in uh, Beneath the Planet of the Apes. And I would, are, I think, I feel like he was the template for uh, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, like Brad Pitt's character, probably. So. Okay. Bit of wait, wait. Brad Pitt was the man or the stunt. He was man? the stunt man. Who was the man? Matt Damon. Okay. Leo DiCaprio. DiCaprio. See, I'm just mixed out, and I, I can't tell white people apart. Charles Manson. <laughs> yeah, Charles he was Manson. Charles Manson. He he played Charles Manson. In okay, <laughs> director John Brown was born in Hamburg and had quite a resume of feature films such as The Undying Monster, The Lodger, and the mad magician in 3d 
I think I want to see the Mad Magician in 3D. That sounds fantastic. Yeah, me too. Okay. Um, as for this episode, I'm going to blast those words into your face in a moment. Her name is the SS Queen of Glasgow. Her registry, British. Gross tonnage, 5,000. Age, indeterminate. At this moment, she's one day out of Liverpool, her destination, New York. Duly recorded on the ship's log is the sailing time, course to destination, weather conditions, temperature, longitude, and latitude. But what is never recorded in the log is the fear that washes over a deck like fog and ocean spray. Fear like the throbbing strokes of engine pistons, each like a heartbeat parceling out of every hour into breathless minutes of watching, waiting, and dreading. For the year is 1942, and this particular ship has lost its convoy. It travels alone like an aged blind thing groping through the unfriendly dark, stalked by unseen periscopes of steel killers. Yes, the Queen of Glasgow is a frightened ship, and she carries with her a premonition of death. I just assume that means it smells funny. Premonition of death. Yeah. Haggis. Queen of Haggis. (laughs) Queen Queen of Haggis. That sounds good. Okay. Uh, yeah, so we're on the, the boat of the damned for this episode, basically. Um, just right off the bat, this one definitely has a nice feeling of dread through the whole episode. Like, you know, the, the, where you don't even, like, uh, know exactly what you're, you're freaked out about, you know? Yeah, that's a... Um, it's, it's really good that it, it leads with a cipher who basically is, doesn't know what, what's going on at all. In fact, I, I dare say I didn't feel like I knew what was going on at all until towards the end, which is pretty cool. Yeah. Now, one thing that did take me out of it immediately was why is there such a nice dining room on a cargo ship? They got that swank bar. <laughs> I was, I was, the thing that got me was why does everyone care if this random dude eats? <laughs> Man, they, people are really nice here. It's really strange. Oh, but it turns a, out there was sort of a reason for that. Yeah, yeah. Well, they're all on their they're all on their pins and needles, so not, right? Well, they're not real, right? Right. Well, I wrote my note was: Is this a real place? So many heightened characters, followed by okay. Mister Lands is already dead, isn't he? Bruce Willis style. <laughs> See, you're some. Yeah, you're smarter than I am. I was just like, whoa, people were really nice in 1959, <laughs> 1960. Well, just a, a bit after that, I typed, Mr. Lanza is tripping balls. <laughs> mm. um, all, the, all the fogginess is kind of cool. You know, John Carpenter knew what to do with the fog. But, uh... Yeah, it kind of reminded me of The Shining. It was sort of like if, if The Shining was a little more hostile, I guess. <laughs> or, the Shining, or less, or, the Shining or less... was pretty hostile. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's not fair. I guess if everything, if the... If the shining was on a boat, that's I, the, that's my pitch. I think I mentioned it, but uh, we recently had the family viewing the shining, and when uh, Scatman Crothers bites it, it was just the most fantastic reaction with my wife shrieking and my daughter <laughs> giggling. <laughs> Neither yes, has I remember seen it before. <laughs> I remember, uh, I remember your wife being kind of afraid of a lot of things like uh, what Metroid Prime 3. Yeah. <laughs> well, she didn't. She was like, oh, you, you can watch that with dad. I, but eventually it just turned out if we're around the TV. We're all there. So she had to watch The Shining and Aliens 
alien, excuse me, no S. Oh, yeah, alien is pretty scary. Until, yeah, yeah, I think until the alien shows up and does like jazz hands at you, and then it's not as scary. But right, <laughs> I did see space balls before I saw alien, so the oh, that makes burst... it scarier. Maybe <laughs> oh, no, you know. so, I always just <laughs> like in my mind an alien the the chest burster is doing the dance, you know, like in the actual movie Alien. Yeah, because yeah, Spaceballs feels like a canon Alien sequel to me. <laughs> but um, yeah, that bar though, man, it's just so nice. Sorry, I just I, I mm. really got to keep throwing that in. So <laughs> I think uh, I be, but I think isn't that like Mr. Lancer's guilt? Where he's just basically like, oh my god, I keep killing all these people. Their bar must be so nice. They must be such nice people. They must really care about, you know. I, I feel like this is part of his like private hell. I wonder if it keeps getting nicer with every iteration. So like, you know, uh, after a few hundred years of this, it starts to become like the Titanic, and then it becomes like Biff's pleasure palace and becomes like everyone is everyone is hooking up with him over and over right (laughs) yeah yeah so because i mean i don't know you can you can you really stay in hell forever i mean eventually you have to evolve don't you well the the idea of hell being a, a repeating loop goes almost directly against the idea of the film Groundhog Day, which I think is generally agreed to be a good representation of Zen, Zen Buddhism, right? I mean, yeah. even though I, I think that... When time becomes uh, a loop. When time becomes a loop. Sorry. When time becomes a loop. Now, I, I, I do kind of take issue that the idea of Groundhog Day is... The idea is to break the loop. You have to have sex with Andy McDowell. That's that doesn't really feel to me like the fulfillment of Zen, but it's it's Bill it's Bill Murray's Zen. Sure, it's Hollywood Zen. That's the most Hollywood Zen thing. Oh, you just have to have sex with the most attractive person in your uh, time loop. Now I heard that's all you have to do. I heard a suggestion that he what he had to do to get out of the time loop was actually to buy the insurance. Oh yeah. Because he That'd doesn't be buy the insurance until the final iteration. Uh, that and, that's, and sex. Damn, that's damn, that's great. I love that. I know that I makes, thought about that. He finally accepts that really annoying dude. I forget his name, but because uh, <laughs> he's not in this show. Uh, no one in this show is that. Well, I guess they are a little annoying no. too. But yeah, I, that's why I thought I was making like a little joke about the bar and stuff. And I'm like, well, what if? I mean, he has to keep experiencing this thing, but the boat itself keeps getting nicer and nicer and more fantastical, you know? Does Yeah, does it, I mean, maybe the lady is more on fire each time. I mean, how much um, punishment does the guy deserve? He deserves plenty, but, you know, when we're talking like eternities, you know, you can can you evolve out of that eventually? The, the, the part of this that doesn't work to me is basically... At the end, you see the part where it's, I guess, reality, and he's in on the German boat, and then he's having a conversation with the other crewman, and he's just like, "Ha, what are you, just a silly mystical, whatever belief and sad, sad boy?" And then the guy just says, "Like, but those are people," and he says something kind of innocuous, and then all of a sudden he's like, "What?" <laughs> and that mm. kind of that doesn't work. That's not a very realistic 
Yeah, I wrote mis- I mystics suggest you do nothing horrible in general, right? Yeah. <laughs> the good ones, it's, at least. It's a weird thing where conversations don't change people's minds like that, even though I guess they wrote themselves into a corner and just had to figure out how to put them into the story real quick. Because I, the I sort of saw that as a flashback to the original situation. Yeah, I can see that. Because there doesn't, I mean, there, there in the in the dreams, we'll call it a dream or beyond situation. Well, the Twilight Zone situation. Um, the U-boat itself probably doesn't have any, like just it would have NPCs at best, right? Yeah, but I mean the 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 point is like the guy on the, the U-boat is real and the people on the boat, people on the uh Glasgow Lady of Glasgow? Queen. Come on, Queen, come on, give, Queen she, of Glasgow. She's your royal highness. <sighs> she's dead. <laughs> anyway, anyway, it it struck me as a little bit God sink the way. Queen. He, <laughs> it struck me as a little odd how he just sort of was. He went from being like a complete sadist to being like, "Wait, what? Uh oh." And then, I I guess it didn't also didn't explain how he got into the time loop. I guess he died later. Oh yeah, that's I, good. I mean, yeah, I mean, he's in a U-boat. It's a pretty hazardous job in 1942. <laughs> it would have been really fun if they just had that conversation and he was like, wait, what? They're humans? And then they just blew up. Like, completely. <laughs> it was just destroyed. Yeah, I mean, maybe he lived to be a very old man and then the time loop starts after that. I don't know. I don't know, but the time loop part of this was much more compelling than the uh, explanation. But now, also... Sorry, go ahead. I was going to say, like, He's not, I guess he's not a Nazi though. He's just a commander. What do you mean? I mean, is it is it World War II? It's World War II, right? So yeah, he's a Nazi. I mean, it's like you you could you can be a member of the Nazi party without genuinely believing in the Nazi Nazi ideology, but it's like you were a Nazi if you're yeah, in the Nazi I guess, party. <laughs> yeah, I guess it's like a to... lot of people, it's the whole thing where you can accept people being like, well, we didn't know, but they were Nazis. Yeah, I guess he would have been given the card by this point. You know. Yeah, I mean, maybe I, I'm not super up to enough on my history. Maybe he didn't know that a bunch of concentration camp stuff was going on. Maybe the sub commanders didn't all know that. Who I mean, knows? they probably didn't. I mean, you're, you're still blowing people probably up, though. Didn't. Yeah. My, my point is he's not SS. <laughs> yeah. You know, that's, like yeah, that's true. He he's was not, not he's not Christopher Waltz and Inglorious Bastards, you know? <laughs> yeah, he was not doing a bunch of experiments on people. Right, right. Probably. Although he was blowing them up with torpedoes, so that wasn't cool. Yeah, and he was super into it. Like, oh, you have a problem with my blowing things up in the submarine? Oh, you silly mystic. Oh. <laughs> anyway, uh, but my my basic summary of this episode though is just it's the William Shatner airplane episode if William Shatner went back in time and was also the gremlin. So he's no, still was, the gremlin went back in time and then was also William Shatner. Could the gremlin on the plane be like 90-year-old Shatner in a spacesuit? I mean, I'm kind of surprised that nobody made that joke, <laughs> to be honest. <laughs> um you could just do it like what was that um, X Men comic where the Phoenix goes back in time and becomes a Phoenix or whatever it is, and then Shatner could just go back in time and become the Gremlin. Yeah, on the airplane, they could do that digitally, can't they? Sure, I don't know why they don't. I mean, Amazon could do it for their streaming series. 
we just mentioned the well, uh, we we mentioned the Twilight Zone movie where they uh, recreate that episode. What if it's John Lithgow inside the plane and Shatner outside the plane? That's pretty awesome. I think John <laughs> Lithgow would really be upset, and it yeah. would be very funny. Right, right, because he did a good job in his, his iteration of it too. So you don't want to. Yeah, flag I, honestly, I think John Lithgow is a better actor than William Shatner. Don't tell William Shatner I said that. <laughs> But nobody Shatner's harder than Shatner. That's that's his thing, right? Yeah, he's got it. Yeah, he's got a thing. He does his thing, but um, but also the, the the guy in this episode, what's the actor's name again? Oh, whatever. Cur- you're gonna make Colonel, me pronounce that Commander, again. Commander, no, no, no. Commander Lancer, great actor. He absolutely flips out when the U boat shows up. He's yeah, yeah, and he does fantastic. exactly the right thing. He just gets piss ass drunk. You know, he knows exactly the time that they're going out so time to hit that bar i guess yeah he knows exactly what's happening but he has no idea why he knows what's happening which is probably very terrifying that's that's almost the definition of paranoia yeah you know what's happening but you don't know why you know what's happening and you don't know why it's happening and you don't know who you are you don't know why you're there and you don't know how you got there well, that's the fun of the Twilight Zone, isn't it? <laughs> he is in the Twilight. Yeah, this is a. Uh, he's there, man. He's there. I mean, if you want, we can go straight to the tripometer. <laughs> okay. I mean, th- we we yeah, this one seems a little trippy. Um, on that that one one to five five one to five, five with decimals. Okay. Three point seven. Okay. I, yeah. I always go one lower than you. That's interesting. Last one you said 2.1. I, I said 2.0. So, okay. I am, a, I am an optimist. Okay. Anyway, we're, we're, I guess we're pretty close. It's, it's a pretty tripped out one, you know, trippy concept. So yeah. not, not so Judeo-Christian, I suppose, except for, well, it's, it's a abstract hell. Mm. So you don't really have to tie in, you know, like Jesus, God, and the devil, right? It's the personal touch, which I think is kind of a Judeo-Christian thing where you get your own personal, anything where it's like your own personal hell, personal heaven is a little bit like that because it just sort of personifies that there, there is infinite space somewhere in a realm for you to continue existing as a human forever, which is both very Christian and kind of patently ridiculous. But Well, what if we say it's the same place and you are creating your own heaven or your own hell? Like this guy, if he wasn't so you know, guilt-ridden, he, this would be his heaven. Again, that's where I'm talking about evolution and like, okay, the sh- maybe the ship slowly gets nicer and things slow, you know, he eventually starts to break through the guilt or, you know, this could be millions of years of the cycle or whatever, right? So... Well, if you if you take that it's a simulation, I guess if he doesn't take up as much space as a human being does, then maybe that would account would allow for everyone who's ever lived on Earth to have their own private hell or heaven. Right. But it's his, his it's his own simulation, right? So yeah, it's still just a uh, that's a tough one. See, I've I've gotten tripped out enough where I I I'm starting to have trouble distinguishing like what an afterlife would be and what dreams are, you know. So, because you could you yeah, could... but you you know how much you know that when you go to a dream that there's not like an entire submarine in there that's a physically in in your dream. That's sort of a that's the thing that's weird to me is that 
where where is this if he if he continued on the if he got off the boat and swam what would happen i can't stop i can't stop myself from thinking about all the uh different possibilities probably pretty cold though i mean he wouldn't last in the water very long either yeah probably it's like the the thing i may bring this up in future twilight zone episodes but the thing that that works for me along those lines is the film dark city where if you it does address like if you try to get off out of dark city you just get on the subway and then you just show back up and then you forget who you are right right we don't have time within a single twilight zone episode unless it's just about that which i'm sure there is one i'm not (laughs) i know there's one i'm not thinking of that does exactly that but i can't remember yeah with the um it wasn't actually a twilight zone it was the precursor which is the time element um, and that one has the guy dreaming every night of being back in um, World War or at Pearl Harbor, right, on December six. Mm-hmm. And the dream ends just as the the planes are invading. And finally, you know, once he do, he the dream doesn't end, he just like blinks out of existence. Yikes! Yeah, yeah. So it was it was a little bit a little bit more ham fisted, but you know, it's definitely the the dry run for the show. And this episode seems to be a bit of a you know kind of a revision of that basic concept. Mm-hmm. Yeah, there's so. I mean, war is hell. That's you could sum it up like that. War war is just a terrifying. I mean, this honestly is like a super sanitized fun version of war. Yeah, if you won't come right down to it. Yeah, because you get to know when you're dying. You can sit around drinking at the bar until it happens. He doesn't lose an arm or anything. He well, doesn't he see anybody else. Well, he probably he blasts anybody the atoms. <laughs> yeah, you know, you don't you don't get attached to someone and then watch have to like watch them bleed out. Yeah, none of that happens. You can't. Right. You can't really have that on television. This, not even even just 60. having subversive ideas it's like oh no yeah, because you know americans well there's actually when i was researching this one there's a quote from rod serling doing an interview um where he is like yeah it's really annoying because you know if you want if you want to have matches in your episode you know it, ha- it has to be like blah 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 brian matches um this episode i think um someone offers coffee uh, on on deck and the script actually said tea but their sponsor made coffee so they had to change it jeez <laughs> oh, the plus side he was saying that was pretty much the only thing that had disrupted the show up to that point so but that was I know the... oh sorry go ahead yeah so it seemed in general he was getting to do what he wanted to do but he was like oh, gee i hope no one figures out they can sell water you know for this episode <laughs> yeah rod zerling was definitely a subversive guy and he got a lot of ideas in but you get the feeling that if someone you get the feeling if the wrong people were paying attention to this show that it would have been absolutely cut to shreds oh yeah it's just sort of a miracle that i made it through i mean um the 80s one i haven't seen probably since the 80s i never saw the early 2000s one i i haven't seen the jordan peele one yet but the i guess the fact that has such a up in front showrunner at least recalls the original show i have definitely seen the uh, 80s one i saw all of the 80s one i remember that being a little bit more hardcore more like um you know there was sort of a run of kind of more violent sci-fi tv during that period like war of the worlds tv show and alien nation where it was just 
a lot of like weird body horror uh, v things like that were just a little a little more intense like there was stuff in the alien nation tv show that i watched as a kid that i had to look away from because it was just <laughs> too much it might not be anything compared to tv now but yeah the other thing with the 80s is i, I said that before this podcast but uh i definitely kind of prefer tales of the dark side if we're going 80s yeah tales of the dark side was great yeah yeah that like uh, for me that actually did hit the twilight the original shows but almost you know not quite as good but uh definitely the concepts were like stronger i think on that show so than the well 80s. i mean even though i sort of I, I sort of like made fun of Tales from the Crypt in the last episode. We did. That's also really good. Even though you had to have, I guess, HBO to watch Tales from the Crypt. Yeah, so I guess that's naturally. What I really saw yeah, naturally that meant it had a lot of money. But I mean, that's not an excuse not to see it now. Now it's just that you know haven't gotten around to it, right? <laughs> it was very good, and you should watch it when you get a chance. So um, the last couple questions I want to throw out on this one. Um, I guess it's just this one dude in the Twilight Zone because everyone else is a figment of his imagination. Yes, absolutely. Okay. He is right. alone in the Twilight Zone. Okay, so we got that. Now, we've already been talking, like, does he deserve it? Yeah. Does he deserve it for eternity? That's the, I guess, I keep throwing that out because that's the one that, you know, I feel like nothing should be eternal, right? I mean, he was just following orders. Which is Probably. a horrible excuse, but it is horrible for, excuse. for eternity, you know, it's not... <laughs> I mean, it only that only works if you presume that everyone with his rank also got a similar punishment. But also, you know, they they took a little bit of time at the end to just show him being kind of a right. So that generally, if you were kind of a in the twilight zone then you will be punished horribly <laughs> it's it is uh it's not like a black and white moral universe but it definitely is sort of a thing where you are severely punished for being kind of a maybe that's where the bit of the judeo-christian thing comes in because it's like it's heaven or hell folks that's it you know yeah it's not exactly a chick tract but i don't I don't think that chick tracks are entirely dissimilar. They're not. They're pretty Twilight Zone. It's just, um, you know, with a um, Southern redneck Bible beating vibe behind it, you know, that Rod Serling was too slick for. <laughs> yeah. And kind of metal art. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. Anyway, the, the whole point is it's you can't really come to a conclusion on that. So it's something to stew about. Maybe tomorrow I feel differently about it, you know? You see a couple of horrible news reports and then people suck, you know? Yeah, that's why it's good. I mean, I, I every day I'll deal with people where I'm just like, you should just die and go into a time loop. And I don't actually feel like that. But in the moment, you're just like, just go into a time loop, you piece of shit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, there is a certain thing where I, you choose to kill someone or you choose not to kill someone. And his like, there's people on that boat. Of course, there's people on the boat. If nothing else, there's like a pilot and a couple of hands, right? I, I, it might have worked better if it was something like it showed them attacking the boat and then the dudes on the boat were like, hey, yeah, it's just a boat. It's just a regular boat. You don't, and then the, the commander was just like, no, we must punish them, stupid Americans. 
That might be like maybe they could have gone farther. They, but you know that that would have we probably wouldn't have had as much of a conversation about whether he deserved it or not if that was the case. But right, uh, it's uh, I I also just maintain that he probably would get used to it after a while and would just start drinking with ghosts. Yeah, he would just be like, "Well, you're a ghost. I'm gonna have a drink with you." I. It's it's a weird thing where watching people die over and over would strip you of your humanity, even though we like to think otherwise, like it will just get more and more terrible, but you would just get bored of it. If right. especially if you know they're not real. Right. He would so. we're we're probably seeing his first time loop, unless I guess I guess it's a thing where he doesn't know he's in the time loop every time the time loop starts yeah it seems that, that he's works. but i don't know he, he has his premonition so it's like the memory's not there right but he's got certain you know feelings you know so those could evolve over time this well, would that, be a real interesting one to make like the you know after a million years in the time loop is it looping exactly the same or differently you could probably get an interesting like episode out of that yeah a or just something happens where he snaps and realizes what actually happened. Oh, I'm in the year 30,000. <laughs> right. So that, that could be cool. Yeah. Anyway, it's a nice jumping board. So obviously uh, it seems to work pretty well. It's an episode of this stuff. Oh, absolutely. I, yeah, I, I enjoyed it a lot. The, the, um, the actor, however, his name is pronounced was really going for it. He was great. Yeah, I don't. I don't want to even try to say it again because I'm pretty sure I didn't get it right. And he's still around. He can complain. <laughs> yeah, he. Yeah, right into this podcast. We said your name wrong. No, um, he he that, did a great job, and I'm always on board with vagueness, like not disorientation, not knowing what's going on. That's yeah, yeah. that's just the best. That's the Twilight Zone, right? Uh, <laughs> As for this one, if you do want to write in and complain, uh, time enough podcast, uh, type those three words in exactly, and hopefully it shows up on Facebook or Twitter, or I'm making a horrible pitch here. Um, (laughs) I use pitch. There we go. Okay. (laughs) As far as uh, (laughs) we have other podcasts, including this one uh, on Patreon under the name Podcastio Podcastius. I talk about sci-fi movies there at Matt and Luke's Sci-Fi Sanctuary. I talk about weird ephemeral films with oral, at oral hygiene. Sometimes Mark hangs out there. And we Yo. have some folks talking about the, the, the monster hunters and those, those pocket monster things, things of that nature. So um, you can find me at Stunrunner Music on Twitter. I don't tweet much and I don't put out music much. <laughs> By February, you can do it, right? It's February. I don't know. Is Future. it February? This is February. Or is it 1942? This is Judgment Night in the Twilight ah! Zone. <laughs>